Welcome to the Visco Sales Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Hussey, and this is the podcast for women who sell. My guest today is a fellow Tasmanian sailor who has some serious ocean miles under her belt, traveling between Australia, New Zealand, and the Pacific over three seasons. Liz Brill is a nutritionist and a sailor, and we touch on some pretty juicy subjects, so this is a really great conversation. We talk about food on board, how to prepare how, for ocean crossings, how to stay healthy and well while sailing, and also we talk about how important it is to have other passions whilst sailing. Uh, we talk about babies on board, her favorite spots throughout the Pacific, and her plans for the future, and also about her really interesting catamaran, Rome. So let's have a chat with Liz Brill. Welcome to the This Girl Sales podcast. Thank you for taking time out today to chat to me. Liz, I first discovered you on YouTube, actually, and I was so excited to find out that you're a Tassie girl who's a sailor, and I love speaking to Tasmanian women. So can you tell us a little bit about you and your sailing story? Yeah, sure. So I am a Tasmanian girl, born and bred. I actually grew up on a farm in the northeast of Tassie um, in Scottsdale, and so sailing was quite foreign to me. I um, definitely didn't grow up sailing. We were more um, sort of, you know, playing in the bush or I was mountain bike riding and motorbike riding. Uh, and we did spend time at the beach, but yeah, definitely not sailing. So I didn't start sailing until I actually sailed on Rome. So that was my first introduction um, to sailing. When I met Michael, he was sort of halfway through the Rome build, and um, and he introduced me to a, a book that was called, it's a bit biased, but it was called Catamaran. <laughs> and... Um, so that was yeah, my first sort of little textbook and learning, you know, sailing angles and, and things like that. But yeah, it was completely all new to me. Wow. Um, I think, I mean, I'll, I'll talk to you, ask you more about your sailing, but I think I love your story because it's a little bit unique because you guys built your own catamaran in a shed in St. Helens. Is that right? In Tasmania on the east coast of Tassie? Yeah, so Michael grew up on the east coast of Tasmania, um, near Scamander, yeah, close to St Helens, and uh, I guess it was his childhood dream, really, to build a boat and go sailing for surf travel, so yeah, cool. he, he followed through with that dream, and him and his father built Rome on his father's block, they put up a shed, and, um, and yeah, took over the backyard for six years while Rome was in build. Amazing. And it's a beautiful catamaran. Can you tell us a little bit about Rome? Yeah, sure. So um, it's a spirited design. It's a uh, Craig Shonning. So Craig Shonning spirited 480. Um, and yeah, Michael and his father are the builders. So it's actually a kit boat. So it comes in all sort of flat panels and then you have to put it all together yourself. Um, Michael's actually done quite a few really good blogs and a build section on our website which covers all the technical stuff. Um, but yeah, it's um, 48 feet long and the um, width is 24 feet and uh, it's a pretty light cruising cat like in terms of 
some of the other designs out there that are more about, I guess, comfort um, than than sort of long-term sustainable travel and getting places a little bit getting places a little bit faster, which is what Rome gives us the ability to do. Um, so yeah, it's the I guess the idea of, of why why Michael picked the Schwanning design was in his mind um, he wanted to be able to sort of have a platform that achieved long-term low-impact travel um, and somewhere where you had plenty of space to bring all your friends and all your toys <laughs> uh, and sneak into shallow anchorages and and anchor off surf breaks you know in well and you'll be comfortable so I guess that was the choice of the catamaran. Like I said I came along halfway through the build so I wasn't sort of there for a lot of all the all the sanding and and um, and fiberglassing and stuff that was it was pretty much all put together by the time I met Michael um, it was still in the shed and it was still just the bolster wood uh, for but yeah um, I was there for the for the fun stuff all the painting and the windows going in and the electrical and the mask being stepped and yeah all that stuff it, it's a beautiful boat we when we saw found your blog and then jumped on your website and yeah look through all the details we just love the design and love the um personal details that you guys have put into like that's really great and anybody who wants to know more i'll link to to all the details in the show notes but liz when you met michael and he had this dream when when you when did you start thinking about actually sailing yourself like because i can imagine that would be quite a if it's foreign to you it would have been a bit scary like how did you transition into into sailing life yeah i guess a lot of people ask me that question and you know how did because i think for some people it can be a huge um decision and a big transition but i think i was probably at a time in my life i was only 24 25 24 at the time when i met michael and um and I was running my own small business and working a lot and um, traveling around all over the state and uh, had done a little bit of international travel as well. Um, but traveling was definitely one of my priorities um, in life at that time, I guess. And I love being outdoors. Um, and I guess with a bit of a sort of adventurous spirit, I was willing to give anything go nothing really scared me um and I don't know whether that was being naive or it was you know just the unknowing probably not knowing what was involved but also the fact that Michael is a very calculated person and planned and he seemed to have everything set out and covered I trusted his ability and his plan um and yeah, when he asked me if learning to sail and going sailing would be something that I was interested in, I was I was in. Like, I was really excited to do that. It sounded like a really interesting way to travel. Um, and, yeah, the sailing stuff, as technical as you can make it, at the end of the day, it's yes. really not rocket science. Like, as long as you have at least one person on board who understands what they're doing, then... Um, 
and uh, Michael's a great teacher, then it, I picked it up really easily. A lot of it's just common sense, uh, and it's really not as scary as some people make it out to be, I don't think. Well, at least my experience hasn't been either. Anyway. That's so great that you've said that. I love that you can make it, you say that you can make it as technical as you want because, you know, I talk to a lot of women starting out and they think that they have to know everything and they have to know what everything's called and what the sheets are and when to pull this and that. And yeah, I think you're right. If you just get on and have a good teacher, then you learn. You just learn by doing. You do. And the thing is, like, I was lucky, I guess. I had the first you know, boat I actually learned to sail on was Rome, which is a absolutely beautiful cruising catamaran. Um, a lot of people learn to sail on a small dinghy, you know, racing dinghies and that sort of thing, which is which is ec- like which is a really good way to learn. But to be honest with you, now like sailing on those small sailing dinghies scare me more than sailing on a big forty-eight foot <laughs> sailing cat like Rome because they're so much more reactive. Like you don't have as much time to think about what's happening which is a great way to learn because at least you understand what can happen yes Um, but yeah as long as you have someone who is a good teacher then I think yeah it doesn't have to be all about the technical stuff and there's no need to get all overwhelmed with trying to absorb everything all at once like just picking up the basics and feeling the boat and how the wind and the water you know, make the boat react in different situations is probably the most important thing. Um, and learning one one thing at a time, like, you know, taking on one job at a time, whether that's being in control of the main sheet when you're doing a task, that's your job. Um, or, you know, then next time you might go and help put them put the main up so you get to know the the halyard and the different, you know, reef lines, the mast and everything like that. But just learning one section at a time, I think, really helps as well um, if you're able to do that, if you have a good teacher. Yes, definitely. And when it came to taking off Liz from St Helens to, was your first trip across Bass Strait, your first overnight passage? Yeah, it was. So we, when we left Tasmania... Um, we didn't actually have a mast or any sails, so we were just a motor cat at that point in time. Um, so our first passage was motoring across the Bass Strait, and we stopped in a group of islands called the Kent Group, which is a beautiful uh, little group of islands between Tasmania and, and Victoria. And then we had our mast step in Williamstown in Victoria. So, yeah, my first offshore overnight passage was on a motor cat basically <laughs> which is also great because I got to again learn everything sort of one step at a time so just getting used to you know the the, the navigation systems and and driving the boat and, and everything like that so yeah we had our mast step in Williamstown in Victoria uh, and then we basically also could have got one sail at a time as we could afford we had them made so as we could afford to have them made and and um and get them put on then we would yeah learn one at a time so rome sailed for the first time with a borrowed genoa in victoria that didn't quite fit the boat properly but yeah that was our first introduction to sailing rome. 
Amazing. I love that it was sort of a bit of a, a slow process because that's a really nice way to to work into it, but also to really get to know your boat and for you to get to know sailing. That's that's amazing. Yeah, it was perfect for me. Um, I got to learn, like I said, one one step at a time. So yeah. just learning the the Ray Marine system and the Navionics and how to drive the boat uh, without any sails, and then we had the mast depth and and then a borrowed head full, so just the Genoa. So we only have to really, you know, worry about packing and driving and yeah, fantastic. And, uh, curling and and unfurling the Genoa, which was great before we had the, the mainsail and then that added on a whole new element to learn. Did you, when you guys sort of did this trip, did you always know that you were going to go offshore to um, sail internationally or did that sort of develop as you got to know the boat? No, I think the plan was always to go um, sail offshore and sail internationally. Um, the main driver for the Rome build um, was surf travel so there was always that dream of sailing in the Pacific uh, and also like we haven't been yet but it's still on the cards the future is the Micronesia and Indonesia yes. maybe even Mexico uh, as well so there was always definitely international travel and round the world travel if anything we've probably slowed it down uh, because we've realised that rather than just racing around and ticking off places we really enjoy spending more time in one place and getting to know the people and and you know really immersing yourself in the culture and you enjoy the travel a lot more if you're able to do that rather than just sort of dipping from one place to the next. Mm, I love that you say that because I think I speak to a lot of cruisers and everyone's journey is, is different and I respect that and some people are on timelines, but they tend to like do the whole Pacific in one season or, you know, skip through places. But I've, I feel for us, like the whole idea of this cruising lifestyle is to really slow down and we're, we're heading to the Pacific this season, so in May, and our plan was that. It was to try and do it all, but we've realised that we're just going to spend as much time as we can in maybe even just two countries and then come back down to Australia or New Zealand and then keep going. And I love that that's your experience as well. Yeah, I think that, like you say, some people may be on a, on a time frame and maybe they're just taking a year or two years off work and, and that's their plan um, and that works too. But if you have the ability to go out and spend a season in the Pacific and, and then like we did, we went back to New Zealand for the summer season and then went back out again or we come back home to Australia or Tasmania and then head back out again, then, yeah, it really allowed us to spend more time in, in one country or in, like you say, maybe two countries and get to know the place a lot better um, because there's always things you're going to miss and there's always places you're want to going to go back to and... Um, yeah, we've spent three seasons in in Polynesia, mm. and still we feel like we've only just scratched the surface. Um, we'd love to go back and spend more time there. So, yeah, definitely, if you if you have the ability to be able to take your time, and and if you can figure out a a work sailing balance that allows you to do that, then it really is 
ideal, I think. Yes. And so in the Pacific area, you've done three seasons. Where have you been? Which countries have you sailed to? Yeah, so our first um, season out, when we left Australia, we went to Fiji. We went via um, Numea, so up the east coast of Oz, and then across to Numea, um, New Caledonia, and then into Fiji. And then we came back home to Australia for the summer season and did our little lap around Tassie. Uh, And then the next year we went out to... New Zealand to North Island, New Zealand, and then from New Zealand into Polynesia. Um, we spent the season there and then made our way back to Australia again via uh, the. We went from Polynesia to the Cook Islands to Ayutaki, um, from Ayutaki to Tonga, and then Tonga back to Australia. Uh, and then the third time we went back to New Zealand again. North Island, New Zealand, back into Polynesia. Um, and then we actually went up into the Kiribati for mm. the summer season near the equator. So um, Christmas Island and Fanning Island. And we left the boat there for a month while we went home to Tassie to get married. Uh, and then went back and then sailed the next season in Polynesia. Um, so we left from Christmas Island in the Kiribati and we finally got to the Marqueses, which we hadn't um, we hadn't visited yet in Polynesia. And then worked our way yeah, down to the Tuamotus and um, and back into the societies and spent yeah, so that whole third season in, in French Polynesia. And then we went to Tonga on the way home. Um, and then Fiji, another season in Fiji, which was great to have a second season there. Because, uh, like I say, you just you never you never quite get everywhere you want to go. And then back to Australia again, back to the East Coast Oz, and sort of worked our way back down the coast again um, to Tassie. So yeah, that was our our four years um, out and about. Amazing. And plans to go back. Yeah, yeah. So definitely, yeah, cool. we we we've decided that um, the sailing lifestyle is definitely for us. We we love it, and um, you know it's so nice to be home and to be with family. And we have a a baby on the way, so of course it, it's good to be around family for all those exciting times. Um, but yeah, we would like to try and do the the family afloat as well. So the plan is rough plan is to stay home for maybe sort of 18 months we'll try and move back on the boat next summer for the babies bubs due in may early may and then it's just too cold in tassie to spend the winter on rome we don't have any heating or anything like that um yeah. so maybe with a new baby it would be a little bit challenging so we're gonna stay land-based for the winter and then hopefully move back onto rome next summer and try being a family on Rome. Um, there is some jobs, some boat work that we want to do. So Michael's got some quite big plans to make some alterations to Rome, which will involve having it out of the water for a period of time as well. Yeah. So 
we're not really sure where we're going to do that work yet, whether it will be in Tasmania or on the mainland. Um, most likely on the mainland, you know, in a sort of boat work facility, I think. Just if we can, then we'll go and pull out for a couple of months and get all the work done and then get back in the water um, and sail a bit closer to home for a while. So, you know, east coast of Oz, we haven't really done a lot of sailing in Australia. Uh, we always just seem to be on our way home or on our way somewhere else. So, uh, yeah, for the next couple of years, I think we'll be closer to home between Australia, maybe North Island, New Zealand, um, and probably the furthest we'll venture in the next couple of years will be back to Fiji, um, yeah, New Zealand and Fiji, maybe New Caledonia and the east coast of Oz. Um, and then after that, like I said, we we did have plans of getting to Micronesia and um, Mexico as well. So depending on which way we decide to go, we'll um, yeah we'll get there eventually. But we we do yeah at the moment it's kind of just go slow, go with the no plan plan for a little while and um, figure it out as we go. Sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. And it's so great. I mean, we talked about this a little earlier, but it's so great to hear that, you know, you're moving into a family afloat lifestyle. I think, you know, obviously that's something that we're doing and, and yeah, we believe it's a fantastic lifestyle for kids. So congratulations. That's super exciting. Yeah, thank you. It is exciting. There's lots of inspirational people out there doing it. Yeah, we've certainly been inspired by lots of families we've met. Yeah, they have a great lifestyle and the children seem to be really enjoying it and and the homeschool's working and, and yeah, like you say, maybe once once the children are ready for high school and more social sort of interactions then um, it's time to, to integrate. But before yeah. that hopefully we can yeah, get in some really amazing years as a family sailing. Yeah, fantastic. And Liz, you on your um, YouTube channel, you sort of talk a little bit about your your health side of things. So, you are you a nutritionist? Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So, um, previously to going sailing, I was I've had a quite a varied career path, but um, I was working as a hairdresser originally, and then um, through traveling and various things, my my sort of priorities and interests shifted to health. And um, so I was working as a as a fitness coach, personal trainer, doing a lot of rehabilitation and sort of one-on-one type training as well. And um, yeah, that led me to have a, a stronger interest in nutrition and how nutrition is so important in that health sort of pathway, um, especially when I was doing focusing on fitness and there was obviously other aspects that I needed to help my clients with so I chose to study nutrition um, and then we also had the plan to go sailing so I managed to be able to still do that by studying by correspondence so for the four years that we were sailing um, I was studying by correspondence with a a, um, university in Australia so I'd I'd fly home to do my clinical prac um, and we did have to sort of make sure that when I had online lectures or 
if I had assessments due and that sort of thing that I needed to be somewhere where I could go and get some internet. So <laughs> that at times was challenging. Yeah. Um, for the last year of our sailing, I was actually finished my studies, so we had a lot more freedom to go to more remote places like the Kiribati. Um, but yeah, so I was studying the entire time we were sailing and that was actually really interesting because we were visiting different countries and I was being exposed to different um, culture and different foods and belief, um, medicinal herbs and and obviously disease as well. So, you know, different chronic diseases affecting different populations and really being able to see a clear picture of what might be driving those diseases as well. So mm. it was um, it was a really interesting way to study and travel at the same time. And I think it's also like it's, good, it's important to point out for women, maybe especially, um, when you are sailing long term, you need something to keep you occupied and keep your mind busy. Um, if you've given up your job or your career at home, then sometimes you might feel a bit lost. Um, and for me, with Michael being, he flies in and flies out for work, so there'd be periods of time where he would go to work and I would be looking after Rome on my own. Um, I had, you know, sometimes a feeling of guilt, like, oh, well, how am I contributing? Here I am just you know, looking after the boat and in everybody else's eyes, that might be all sunshine and rainbows and what a glorious life. So you have, or I had a feeling like I really needed something for myself and um, studying nutrition and obviously I'm very passionate about it. So that helped me um, have a focus and the travel aspect, like I said, seeing different cultures and, and ways of eating and and um, chronic disease that added a whole new element to my study as well. So, yeah, that was my sailing and and um, studying journey. Fantastic. And, yeah, I love that you touch on that because I agree, I think. I mean, we're so lucky in that we have internet these days and most places you can get it, you know, it doesn't matter if you're travelling internationally or not, and that really opens up so many opportunities for women and, and men too, to work or to pursue an, an online study or an interest. And, um, yeah, I don't think, I think, I don't think sailing has to stop you from doing things that you perhaps were into in your, um, land, land life either, you know, and even like you guys do a lot of outs, outdoors. So bike riding and, and mountain climbing and all that sort of stuff like that's, it's great to combine passions, I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's what it's about for us really is most of the places we visit are sort of frozen because we there's an activity or something that interests us there, whether it be mountain bike riding or biking or surfing being pri primarily number one. Yeah. But um, also <laughs> I usually, uh, I'm usually able to slot in, you know, a visit to a village or, um, you know, I love going to all the local markets or yes. going and visiting local farmers and talking about what they're doing and how they're able to grow their produce in these really remote places where they don't have, you know, a lot of topsoil or 
um, harsh conditions in atolls and things where it's really difficult for them to get fresh food supply. So, yeah, being able to be exposed to those sorts of things and especially when you're interested in it, um, it's a great combo. Yeah, fantastic. And what about health on board? Like, how do you, do you have any tips and tricks for people you know, with your experience and your studying and on keeping healthy and happy on board and making sure that got good food and nutrition while sailing and especially doing passages? Yeah, for sure. So um, I think I think sailing is a fantastic way to improve your health. Um, mm. Just on an environmental um, topic, like, a, you're you're getting out there in fresh air and sunshine, and and quite often, you know, if you're travelling to to places where you're going and being outdoors and in the wilderness, and you're getting away from a lot of stuff that we're usually exposed to in our everyday life, um, toxins around us, and in our workplace, and stress, and mm. like the list goes on. But number one, sailing is can be a really a really good detox um and then in terms of of food there's there's times when it can be tough you know like if you're sailing in an internationally and you're in a you know remote atoll or a country where you can't get the usual sort of health foods that you might go for um yeah trying to find local farmers or source out the fresh food markets or just buying dry stores so you make sure that you're stocked up on your lentils and your flowers and chickpeas and all those sort of dry goods is um is really important so there is a bit of planning uh involved before you go before you set out and and go to some of these more remote places where you won't have access to good food um and yeah so i guess that would be number one tip is just do a little bit of research before you go to your destination and see what's there in terms of fresh food um, or what sort of supermarkets there are, what farms or local markets might be available. And then for us, we um, did a lot of provision cooking. So I would prepare for a passage always um, with provision cooking to make sure that I had plenty of pre-cooked meals and we have a fridge and a freezer on Rome so that's a lifesaver having the freezer uh, for those longer passages or even those longer um, longer stint in remote atolls and things I was able to cook up say like a lentil vegetable dal or something like that especially when you're travelling in places like the Pacific you generally have accessibility to lentils and chickpeas and those dried goods. So the big vegetable lentil dal was that I might go to for the freezer for passive meals as well as um, just keeping us going in remote places. Um, pumpkin is another vegetable that you'll find throughout most of the Pacific. It grows pretty easily in most places, so pumpkin or um, or, you know, sweet potatoes as well. So I'd usually do big batches of pumpkin Thai coconut soup and keep that in the freezer as well as a go-to passage meal or 
or when we're in remote places. Um, and then stocking up. So before we'd leave Australia or before we'd leave New Zealand, I would always go and make sure that the dry stores were really stocked up with things like nuts and seeds. Um, I like to use almond flowers and coconut flowers to make um, different pancakes or whether it just be, we don't have an oven on board, so not generally much baking, but raw desserts and things like that. So yeah, making sure that you're you're really stocked up on just a good sort of healthy dry stores that are hard to get in in remote places, or they're or they're really expensive. So yeah. making sure you're stocked up on that. Um, and then in terms of just keeping healthy, like you are exposed sometimes to different bacteria, and there might be gut bugs and parasites in some of the remote Pacific islands because if you do you are in that humid climate um and yeah so making sure that your gut health is in check so whether that be just you know um i like to do ferment which is really easy on the boat uh, so I, I have like a kefir yogurt on the go all the time um as long as you have milk even if it's not milk powder preferably a good quality milk is, you know, the best for your for your kefir yogurt, but that's really hard sometimes, especially in remote atolls, to get fresh milk. So powdered milk you can use as well. Um, and then I'd always have a kombucha on the go too, which is simple. You can get black tea and sugar anywhere you go, and if you have a scoby, then that's all you need to keep your kombucha going. Uh, and cabbage usually is another vegetable that you can find in most places so sauerkraut i would keep on the go as well for my ferment so between those three things the kefir the kombucha and the sauerkraut um oh and sprouts as well i grow sprouts on board um that allowed us to you'll be getting some nourishing food into us and keep our gut health in check when we were in some of these remote places where we might be exposed to different gut bugs and and we might not have access to good quality fresh food as well so um yeah that's some some little key things i guess to think about when traveling to places where you don't have regular access to the fresh food mm, love it thank you that is so good thank you for sharing that i've been meaning to that's like you know one of my one of my jobs on the list is to to write more blogs or, you know, write down some recipes and things and it, um, to be able to share with other cruisers. But it's one of those things that gets put on the back burner when you're having too much fun and spending your time studying or, yes. or you know, your spare time. Your spare time wanting to get out there and enjoy the outdoors yourself. So yes. on my to-do list. <laughs> Yeah, my to-do list is very long as well. <laughs> yeah. So that's the other great thing about um, social media. Like, yes, we get a lot of questions and um, we're just totally happy to, you know, chat to anyone about that those sort of things. Michael's usually the go-to tech guy for technical questions or, um, you know, boat builds. And then, you know, I get a lot of women asking me about, about health on board and, and um, exercise even on board as well, mm. mental health and, 
and obviously keeping yeah what what to do with provision cooking and and that sort of thing so always happy to answer any questions just haven't got around to writing a blog about it yeah yeah sure no that's really cool it's funny because um my partner actually emailed michael about a watermaker stuff when when we happened to be chatting and i didn't even realize so it's funny that we're we're uh talking to both of you at the same time so appreciate yeah, your your yeah. knowledge yeah <laughs> yeah well michael mentioned that too because i said that i was um having a chat with you today he said oh yeah i sat with i had a chat with her husband just recently about yeah. the watermaker and i was like oh cool i was like well i jotted down some notes about the watermaker so i can answer some of those if need be but <laughs> oh that's a maybe yeah. we should get you both on to chat about that because it's something we're about to embark on and um yeah so I'm sure we'll have lots of questions. So maybe that's um, yeah. an, another conversation we could all have. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a, it's something that's allowed us to be able to go to more remote places and mm. stay there for longer. Um, yeah, and that's sure. that's our goal. Definitely, is we're getting Galileo our yacht set up for that those remote places so that we can stay out longer and yeah. And I think the watermaker is definitely one of the key elements for us. Definitely. The watermaker and the solar are two yes. things that allow Rome to sail more long-term, more remote places, and more sustainably as well. Like, you know, having enough solar to run your watermaker is, yep. is awesome as well. So, yeah, I would love to chat about that for sure. Yeah, fantastic. So Liz, I could speak to you for hours, but before we wrap up, I'd love to just get back to sailing in Tassie because it's certainly it's where I cut my teeth sailing and and I think it's a beautiful part of the world. Um, do you have a favorite spot for cruising around around Tassie? Um, yeah, I like we we haven't we haven't done a lot of our nautical miles in Tassie unfortunately and we do plan to do that over the next couple of years sailing a bit closer to home but um yeah our first year out we did do a lap of Tassie over the summer um mm. and there are some absolutely stunning places it can be challenging sailing because we have lots of shifting weather patterns and mm -hmm. interesting <laughs> moving water but that's a great way to learn as well so yes um good but yeah, my favourite spot in Tassie would have to be Port Davy. Um, so the remote southern wilderness of Tassie. Um, it's very quiet down there and a really dramatic landscape. And you've got some beautiful sheltered harbours uh, and, you know, just still breathtaking anchorages. Lots of great war. Um, and yeah, that would be my favourite place in Tassie, I think. It has to be summer, I'd say, so it's not too yes. cold yes. <laughs> down yeah. south. But yeah, Port Davy, that would be my number one Tassie spot. Amazing. And you've got some videos on Port Davy, don't you? That's from memory? <laughs> yeah, we yeah. do, yeah. yeah. So some of the earlier YouTube videos, we've got some footage down there, which is, yeah, like I mentioned to you earlier, that's some of our favourite Yes. Um, footage and yeah, it is just stunning down there. And if you're looking for remote wilderness, uh, that's definitely the place to go. 
Have you been down there? No, it was on the bucket list. We were hoping to to do it before we came up to Queensland, but um, we just ran out of time and the time of year <clears throat> didn't work for us, unfortunately. But it's definitely on the uh, on the list to do for sure because it looks so yeah. untouched and, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it's an interesting place. Like, um, yeah, the, the water is in parts of the harbour, the water is that really dark mm. pattern stained from, from the plant. So you get beautiful reflections of the hills and um, those really still glassy mornings with the mist coming off the water and um, and an interesting landscape with not, it's more like low-lying shrub rather than big trees. So it gives it a little bit of an eerie feeling sometimes, like almost some mornings or afternoons that are really quiet and still and you don't even hear any animals or voices just you know echoes of whatever you're doing can wow. make it feel almost a bit eerie and lifeless <laughs> at times but but no it's definitely alive down there and and it's a yeah beautiful spot to visit amazing so Liz, for anyone who wants to find out more about Rome and yourself and your journeys, where is the best place for them to head? Uh, so if you want to get in touch with us, probably the best place is on Facebook. Yep. So we're just Sail Surf Rome uh, on Facebook, and that's R-O-A-M, like Romy. Uh, but if you want to find out about the boat and the build um, and more technical sort of stuff, then the web page so again um, com, and we hang out on Instagram a little bit these days that's probably where we post like more of our up to date sort of what we're up to um, and just chatting socially with with other cruisers and friends and travellers um, yeah on Instagram so that's a good place to keep up to date with where we are and what we're doing at the moment um so again that's just they also throw on instagram amazing i will link to all of those and all that good juicy information on the show notes um liz thank you so much for coming on on the show it's been so great to talk and to hear about your adventures and um good luck with the baby and hopefully we can keep in touch because um yeah i'd love to chat more and um hear more about your story yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Tina. It's been awesome chatting with you. Um, I haven't actually done a podcast before, so that's oh, fun for me. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, no, I lie. We, we did one one on years ago, Okay. The first year we were out. Um, but, yeah, but it is good. It's good to chat. And as like you say, we could chat for all day. But yes, yes. I'm happy to answer any questions if anyone heads over to the, to the Facebook page or Instagram. And, yeah, I hope we can have another chat soon in the future. Great, great. Thanks again, Liz. Oh, wasn't that a great conversation? Liz is just so interesting and she has so much knowledge about the Pacific and I think we only just scratch the surface like we both said we probably could have talked for hours so do reach out to uh, Liz if you need any more information I will link to her website and all of the social media channels for sailing to Rome on 
the show notes for today's podcast, which you can find at thisgirlsales.com. And there you'll also find all the other shows where I've talked to other amazing women who sail from around the globe. If you'd like to find out more about Liz, something she didn't chat about it until after I'd stopped recording was her new nutrition business, which is called Wayfinder Health. And she's got a website, uh, wayfinderhealth.com.au. Again, I'll link to that in the notes, but you'll be able to find more about her and her health uh, information on that site. Thank you again for joining us on the This Girl Sales podcast. I'm so grateful to have you here and for your time. And if you would like to find out more about me and my family and where we are in the world at the moment, you can find us on the social medias at This Girl Sales. And of course, check out the blog at thisgirlsales.com. Until next time, happy sailing. Thank you.